Yeah, so I thought I was going to get a Sunday off this Sunday, but you know, the pastor heard that. And he said, oh, great. Well, then you can come on down. <laughs> so God said, no Sunday off for you. <laughs> but uh, God is good. You know, as long as we follow him and follow his plan, amen, uh, we know that things will work out. Amen. And as uh, Sister Dietrich said, it's just so good uh, to be here amongst family, as always. You know, every time we come back to visit, I mean, you know, so many smiling faces. I imagine how first-time visitors must feel, you know, coming into this place. It's so warm and welcoming, you know, and uh, don't ever lose that. We should never lose that, uh, not only as Life Church, but just as a church as a whole. Amen. Praise God. So I remember some time ago I was, I was, went to bed on a Saturday night and, you know, I stayed up late and watched a, a game, a football game or something, and then, you know, went to bed, and uh, then Sunday morning, I was just so tired, you know, and I, and I really didn't feel like getting up, and, you know, Dietrich came in, and she was waking me up. She said, listen, you got to get up, and I said, I, I don't want to get up. And I don't feel like getting up, but she said, you got to get up. We got to go to church. And I said, well, I don't want to go to church today. She said, you got to go to church. I said, why? She said, you're the pastor. I said, all right, I guess I got to go to church. <laughs> Praise God. How many know that church should be an experience that everybody wants to come to? This should be an experience that no one wants to miss. I mean, this should be greater than Disney World, Disneyland. Amen. This should be better than going to the movies or going to any football or baseball game or any Saturday night dance, whatever it is. This should be a great experience. I know God wants it that way. I just don't know if we're on the program yet. I don't know if we've caught up to him. You know, he wants to make it so that uh, when we come in here, man, we just never want to leave. We love this place. We love being around uh, like-minded people. We love being around brothers and sisters because we encourage each other and don't tear each other down. Come on, we love being around each other because should we fall, we have somebody there to pick us up and not keep us down like the world does. Amen. We're a peculiar people. We're a different kind of people. Amen. And so that's the way our church experience should be. I know it is, it's, it's like that for me. Amen. It really is. So praise God. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5th. If you have your iPad, scroll on down to Joshua chapter 5th. If you got your Kindle, get your Bible app. If you got your iPhone, put it on airplane mode, then scroll over the, <laughs> scroll over the Joshua. And if you don't have a Bible, an iPad, a Kindle, or an iPhone, just cheat off of somebody else next to you. You can do that. Amen. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 5th. Yeah, Joshua chapter 5. I'm just excited this morning. I believe that there is a, really a shifting going on in the kingdom of God. Just a, a change that we really have to be ready for. Really have to be ready for this. Joshua chapter 5, I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible. And it says, beginning at verse 1, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord 
had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel till we had crossed over, that their heart melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself, circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskin. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were male, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Verse 6. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Verse 8. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho, and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan, that year. Father, we just come before you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you, O oh God, for your life-sustaining word that you have given to us, Lord. I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, anoint and open our ears this morning, O oh God, that your word, not from the lips of this man, but from your mouth through a conduit, O oh God, would land on fertile ground and grow us up to get a better understanding of you. In Jesus' name. How many know that God is a God that blesses you outside of your comfort zone? Now, if your comfort zone is more important than your blessing, then you will never receive your blessing. Because your blessing does not exist within the parameters of your comfort zone. You're going to have to want it more than you want your comfort. I just want to talk just briefly and a little bit this morning about crossing over and embracing this kingdom shift. 
We've heard before that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But God loves us so much that he will not leave us the way that we are. He's always molding us and changing us. And if he ever needs to break us, he'll do that in order to shape us again. And we have to be like that clay on the wheel. Go down to the potter's house and see how he molds the clay. We have to be pliable and ready for what God is going to do. I really feel like in the universal church there is really a, a kingdom shift. God is the same. Holy Spirit is the same. Jesus is the same. The message of the gospel of the kingdom of God is the same, but there's a shift in methodology and, and how God accomplishes things. And we really shouldn't be surprised because God has always done this. He has always kept moving and going forward. God is not a stagnant God. He is not one to stay in the same place, though he and his character and his virtue remains the same. He's always moving forward. And so what are we going to do? If we love God, if we abide in him and he abides in us, then we ought to always be moving forward. Now, I've said before, and I've come to the realization that if you're a person that just stays the same, your flesh will automatically gravitate towards sin. It'll do it whether you plan to do it or not if you stay the same. You're like a boat without a sail. You don't even realize it. You just know that the waves are coming. And next thing you know, you're way over here. And you think, how did I get over here? Well, God wants us to keep moving forward. Now, if anyone should have been believers, saints, these folks that came out of Egypt should have been believers. If anyone should have faith and believe God, these that came out of Egypt should be those that had faith and believe God. You'll remember when they were going through the wilderness and snakes began to come into the camp and bite the people and there were poisonous snakes and God told Moses, make a snake out of brass and raise it up. And all those who looked upon the snake were healed. Or you'll remember when they got to Mount Sinai and the mountain was on fire and Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. I mean, God did some spectacular things in the midst of the children of Israel. If anybody should believe, these are those who should believe. Isn't it interesting that God could do such spectacular things for people that are unfaithful and remain unthankful. Isn't it interesting? Kind of like you and I sometimes. Come on. Sometimes the people that you do the most for treat you the worst. And in that way, I, like you, can relate a little bit. I, I know at least a little bit what it must be like to be God. I mean, when there are, you know, people that you don't know and, and they attack you, that, that doesn't bother me. But the people that you do things for, the people that you clothe and encourage, come on now, I can't be the only one. 
the people that you listen to on the phone for hours, <laughs> come on, and you encourage them and you give them things and you, do, and, you, and you do things for them, it rankles me just a little bit. I get over it quickly, come on now. But it does rankle you a little bit. That's a, that's a real southern word. Rankles you a little bit. You know what I mean. Gets under your skin just a little bit. When those people forget about you. Imagine how God must feel when he brings you through so much. I mean, hell and high water. Come on. And we forget about him. We don't pray. We don't have a prayer life. And we don't have a time that we set aside to read his word. Come on, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Come on now. Hebrews talks about this, and it explains it a little bit better than I can because the writer of the book of Hebrews said this, said that the problem with the children of Israel was that they had the word, but the word was not mixed with faith. The word was not mixed with faith. You see, they heard it, and they saw the miracles. They even heard the voice of the Lord, even though they couldn't understand it. They saw what God could do through Moses, but it did not bring them to the point of total surrender and total belief. And so until God finally said, I'm through, he said, I'm through, I'm done. He had had enough. He said, I'm through with you. Now, that's something, saints, because if you're through with me, I think eventually I could get over it because I could probably live without you. But if God says that I'm through with you, I don't care how good of a person you are, everybody has a breaking point. Everybody has a point where they break. That's a scary thing for God to be finished. The scary thing. He said, I'm washing my hands to this situation and you and your generation will not see the promised land. And don't you know that nobody except for two made it over. All except for two that had faith died in the wilderness. Don't mean that they weren't the children of Israel or they weren't God's people, but they never saw the promised land. His question for us today is, do you want to see the promised land? I'm not talking about getting into heaven when it's all over, saints. I'm talking about right here, right now. Do we want to see the promised land? Are we going to be aware of this kingdom shift? You said, Jesus said, you missed my time of visitation when he came to the earth to the people of Israel. I was here amongst you and you kept doing the same thing that you were doing. But I was shifting some things. Are we aware of the kingdom shift? All of them died in the wilderness except two. And so these that I just mentioned are not the people that we just read about in Joshua chapter 5. These are the people who escaped Egypt. These are the refugees. The ones that we're now talking about, these were not the people who were born in Egypt. 
They were not those who drank from the bitter waters of Mara. They're not the ones who came to Mount Sinai and saw Pharaoh drowned in the Red Sea. These are the people who were born in the wilderness, who were born on the run. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. These are the people that were born. These are the sons and the daughters of the refugees. These are the children of Israel. These people were somewhere between and betwixt this and that. They didn't know the ways of Egypt. They were not brought up in those ways. They did not know the promise and the power of the promised land because they had not attained it yet. They were somewhere between this and that. Have you ever been somewhere between this and that? We're not indoctrinated with the, the philosophies of the Egyptians. Not, had not received the power of the promised land yet. Where are we, Lord? Who are we? What do we do? It's the most uncomfortable place in the world, if you've ever been there, between this and that. And listen to me now. I believe that the church as a whole, even though God has a bigger plan, God sees it all, our prayer should be to see through his eyes. We don't see through his eyes all the time. God sees it all, but we as a church, I believe at this time, we at least feel like we're somewhere between this and that. Somewhere between this and that. We don't have the old hymns. We don't sing those as much anymore in church. Seems like a new day, but we don't understand everything that God is doing. In fact, sometimes we question, is this God? Is this us? What is going on now? What is going on in church? But our fire in our heart should always be the same for God. We should never come to a place of lukewarmness. Because even God hates lukewarmness, doesn't he? He said, be cold or be hot, but don't be lukewarm because I'll spew you out of my mouth. But we as a church, we feel like we're between this and between that. You see, I don't mind being on this step. I don't mind being on this step. I don't even mind being down here on this step, but I hate to just be somewhere between this and that might trip me, I might fall. Even God doesn't like it. Be hot, be cold, be something. You ever met some people, and we know you're either saved or you're not, I know that, but you ever met some people you kind of feel like they're not quite a saint and they're not quite a sinner? I don't know what they are. Maybe they're saved, but they don't act saved. They still say things they shouldn't say and do things they shouldn't do, and they just don't live the life. Maybe they're not saved, but they try to act like they're saved. They know the vernacular of Christians. And so they use that somewhere between a saint and a sinner. God said, be hot or be cold. I'll spew you out of my mouth. Now, these young men have now come to their testing ground. They've come to a place that it's their testing ground. 
Isn't it funny also how you can think in your life that you've escaped some things that other people have gone through? And you say, they've gone through those things, and boy, I'm so glad that I didn't have to go through that. I don't have to go through a testing like they went through a testing. You know, God's just going to push me on over into the promised land. I don't have to go through anything. But if you just keep living, if you just keep living, God is going to have to mold you and shape you to get you over there. And if you're careful, it'll even make you a little arrogant. Well, he tells me his testimony, and I hear these people giving their testimony and what they've gone through, and boy, I'm just glad that I haven't had to go through anything. I haven't been through the storm and through the test that these other people have gone through. I must be special. Well, guess what? Just keep on living. Keep on serving God. He'll fix you up and prepare you. Sooner or later, you too will have something that you will face and you won't know how to get through it. You'll have to throw your hands up in the air and say, Lord, I have no idea what to do, where to go, who to talk to. I can't do it. And when you find yourself in that spot, you may not be a big-time prayer person. But when you find yourself in that spot, you're not going to need to come to a prayer class on Saturday morning to learn how to pray. You're not going to need to go online and download something that tells you this is how I'm supposed to pray. You're not going to, lead to, go to need to go to someone and get some counseling on this is how you do it. This is how you really get to the throne room of God. And you're not going to have time for all of those fancy, oh Lord, thou wast most high. Would you please shake the garments of your glory and let it fall? You're not going to have time for all that. You're going to know how to pray. Help! Lord, help! I don't know what to do. I don't know how I got myself in this situation. I don't know why those people are talking about me. I don't know where the money went. Help! Somebody need to shout, help! Help! You're going to know how to pray. You're going to know how to pray. You're not going to need all those words. But these men in the wilderness, they may not have had great faith. I'm talking about the first batch now. They may not have had great faith, but they knew how to fight. The passage said that all the men that came out of Egypt that knew how to fight, the men of war, they died in the wilderness. All those who knew how to fight died in the wilderness. So what you have is these young men now that don't have the skills to go along with where life has brought them. What do you do when your skill set doesn't match your situation? You ever been there? What do you do when on your job they come to you and say, listen, I need you to make a pivot table in this Excel spreadsheet. And you thought they was talking about the pep rally or the company picnic or something. You have no idea what they mean. What does that mean, pivot table? When they ask you to make a PowerPoint and you haven't even really worked a computer that much. You knew how to interview to get the job. You knew how to talk your way into it. 
but now you don't know how to perform all the functions that the job requires. What do you do? Or what do you do when you're gorgeous enough to get married? But you don't have the skill set to be a wife or a husband. Because you can be gorgeous and get married. Getting married is the easy part. That's just one day, standing before the preacher, saying I do, kissing, and a great night. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what? There's a morning coming. And there's something called the rest of your life. <laughs> now, what do you do? <laughs> it doesn't take great faith, saints, as you know, to do what I already know how to do. I don't need faith to keep on doing the same thing. Now, come on now. God is talking to us this morning. I don't need faith to keep on doing the same thing. I don't need faith to just keep on coming here every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, clapping a few times, doing some announcements, listening to somebody yell and scream, then go home and eat. That doesn't take great faith. I know how to do that. I've done that. Some of you probably are like me. I've done it for years. I was born into church. And so I know how to do that. But we're not talking about doing church. We're talking about a kingdom shift. We're talking about living in the kingdom of God. We're talking about a relationship. That's what God wants. And if you're not careful... You'll be slaughtering lambs and killing goats and giving up the blood on the altar. And God says, that's not even what I want. You'll be killing things that God wanted to keep. You'll raise your knife to Isaac and you, you won't hear God's interruption and you'll go on through with it. And you'll kill something that God wanted to keep. Because we're not listening. We don't hear the interruptions. We got one word. We, haven't, we, we don't continue to hear his voice. Got one word from the Lord and we said, that's all we need. Now I'm just going to go. I don't need to listen anymore. What if your children did that to you? you find a way to get their attention, wouldn't you? You'd trip them, hit them, throw something at them, do something. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? And so you see, now they are at Gilgal. It's the last stop before the promised land. They're at Gilgal, and God is saying, it's the last stop before the promised land. Come on, saints, God is speaking to us this morning. I'm not talking, God is speaking. It's the last stop before the promised land. And if you can get this right, eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of life church what God has prepared for you it's not entered into your heart so they're at Gilgal saying this is it this is it this is your last stop in other words you are right on the edge you're right on the verge and if you can learn what I'm doing right here he's saying to open your eyes look around participate that's what God is speaking right now saying, open your eyes, look around. Don't walk with blinders on. That's what God is telling us this morning. Now, at the moment 
They were about to possess the promised land. It was also the moment that they ran into their biggest crisis. Isn't it also funny how it can be the best of times and the worst of times all at the same time? Remember, in the passage, it talks about people about to possess the promised land with no experience to match up with the opportunity. Sometimes opportunity is not a blessing if you're not prepared for it. It's a terrible thing for the door to swing open and you're not prepared to go through it. That opportunity that was meant to be a blessing all of a sudden is now a curse because you weren't ready for it. They're about to go against Jericho. Jericho was a mighty city. Come on, Jericho was a bad city. They had a wall so thick around Jericho that uh, chariots rode on the top of the wall all the way around it. I'm talking about a well-fortified city. We're not just talking about any city. We're talking about Jericho. And here, we don't have a bunch of warriors because all the warriors died in the wilderness. We got a bunch of farmers and a bunch of dependents because they were getting manna every day. They didn't have to work for anything. They were just getting the bread given to them. And if it were not enough that they didn't know how to fight and they were dependent, now Joshua here at Gilgal goes out and gets a flint stone. I'm not talking about Fred and Wilma, but he got a stone of flint and he sharpened that thing. Whew, come on now, man. Come on, man. I know it's a little uncomfortable. But he, he sharpened it to circumcise all the men. Whew. Now they already can't fight. Come on. They already can't fight. And now you're going to get circumcised? Well, circumcision is important. You well know in the Bible. It's a sign of the covenant isn't it? It's not the covenant, but it is a sign of the covenant. And the reason I, I want to pause right here and talk a little bit about circumcision is because we must understand that biblical circumcision was done by the father to the son. And this passage in chapter 5 takes the time to tell you the reason why Joshua who is not their father, has been left with the task of circumcising them. It is because their fathers died in the wilderness and died without circumcising their sons. According to the scriptures, they should have been circumcised at eight days old. But when you don't get what you should have gotten as a boy, it is much more painful to have to go back as a man and fix a boy problem. But you have to do it. God had to do it. They couldn't go in. It's out of sequence. You see, at eight days old, they're like, wah, 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 and then you give them something to eat, and then they're okay. But at 25 and 30, whoo 
It's a whole different issue. Because you didn't get what you should have gotten received as a boy. And now it has messed you up as a man because they're right on the verge of a dream come true. Isn't it also funny how a boyhood problem can mess up your manhood promise if it's not dealt with? If it's not dealt with. And so sometimes this is why God has to deal with us. This is why sometimes you, you find yourself in a holding pattern as an individual or as a family even or as a church because God is doing some things. God is doing some things. Come on, touch the person next to you and say something's about to happen. Come on, something is about to happen. Something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. Something is about to happen. And you might think I'm talking about the service, but I'm not talking about the service. I'm talking about in your life. Something is about to happen. You feel like you're in a holding pattern. You may not see it, but God is doing some things that's necessary to be done. Why didn't their fathers circumcise them? Their fathers were not dead when they were eight days old. But what do you do when what you should have gotten, you didn't get? And now, as a man, you have to hide the fact that you don't have what other men have because your father didn't do what he should have done. Well, the answer lies very simply in a word. What do you do? Surrender. Surrender. There is nothing else you can do but you have to surrender to the ways of the Lord. When you don't understand, surrender. When confusion seems to cloud your way, surrender. When the path seems to be clouded by uncertainty, surrender. You're too close, saints, to where you're going. And God is saying, I cannot let you go in in the shape that you are in. Can't let you go in in that shape. Now, this morning, I, I apologize to you. I don't have a normal PowerPoint with eight points that you can jot down. I mean, this is just something from the Lord, and I hope you can get something out of this. I just really believe it's a word. It's a prophetic word uh, to my ears, and I believe God has taken us someplace as a church. I really do. He says, you're too close, and I'm not going to let you stay like you are going in. So I had to bring you to Gilgal so I could fix some things. I could fix some stuff. And he says, if you will let me fix it for you, then you will see the blessings that I have already prepared. I'm not preparing a blessing for you. The blessing is already prepared. I'm preparing you for the blessing. Come on, somebody. So he brings them to Gilgal, and now here they are at Gilgal. And it's a place that gets his name, really, from what happened. It means circle or holding pattern. And they had to have the circle of their flesh cut away, which preceded their next place of destiny. 
before you can move into your next place of destiny, God may have to cut away some parts of your flesh because your flesh can't go where God has taken you. Your flesh can't go. Come on, somebody tell God, cut it away. Cut it away, Lord. Cut away. I might have to break one day and just give him a cut away praise. Cut it away, Lord. Sometimes going back and fixing some stuff will hurt. Because your flesh has got to die. And you may lose some stuff. You may have to leave some things behind. So now, here they are at Gilgal. It's the place where they recovered what they didn't get in their past. So they could be released to go into their future. But the problem is they're here at Gilgal at the precipice of crossing over, and now they are hurting. The Bible says that they stayed at Gilgal while they healed over what they had lost. They stayed there. At a time when most preachers are telling you about what God is going to give you, which is true, I want to also tell you about what God will take away from you. You know, there's a song that we sing, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. You give and take away. Teacher and I were talking about that one day, and we, we were saying that, you know, I, I just don't know about that part of the song because, you know, God doesn't give you something just to take it away. So I don't know about singing that part of the song. But I tell you what freed me is that there are some things that God takes away. God does give, and I'm glad he takes away. Come on, he takes away sin. He takes away some old habits. He takes away some relationships that I don't need. God will cut away some things. And so, yeah, I can sing, you give and you take away. He doesn't take away the blessings that he gives you, but he does take away those things that you don't need if you'll let him so that you can be blessed. You give and take away. Now, it might not be popular, and it might not sell a whole lot of CDs. But if you really want to understand the blessing, you have to understand that there is some stuff that God needs to cut away. And it may hurt. It may be some stuff that you never thought you'd part with. Because he will not let stuff that is a burden stand between you and your real destiny. Cut it away, Lord. Cut it away. I know there have been some times in my life where God has cut some things away that I never thought I'd lose. And it hurt, and I cried, but when I look back, I can see that I can praise God because guess what? He knew what he was doing. He cut it away. And whenever God decides to cut something away in your life, it is a sign that whatever is in front of you is much bigger than what's behind you. That's the way you've got to see it. When God starts cutting some stuff away, it's because what he's got in front of you is much, much, much bigger than what's behind you. Those things that you wanted to hold on to. 
They got cut. And they got hurt. And they had to heal up. Because something better was coming. God might need to cut it away. Cut away that woman, Lord. Cut away that man. Cut away that relationship. Cut away that job. Cut away that thing that I'm holding on to that I think I need and I can't do without. Cut it away, Lord. Cut it away. There are some places that we are so comfortable in that God is going to cut away. Why? Because your blessing is outside of your comfort zone. And sometimes you can see it, but you know you get right to the edge and this is my comfort zone. And I can see it. And I try to use the force to bring it to me. But it's not working. God is saying no force will bring that to you. But there is a force that will take you to it. Come on, it's called the Holy Spirit. Like my mother used to say, the Holy Ghost will take you to it. I grew up in a church called the Holy Ghost Center. So you can imagine what we did there. Name of it was the Holy Ghost Center. I went to Catholic school, and so I, all during all during the week I was at mass, and you know we were singing and humming and doing Gregorian chants, and then you know on Sunday morning, boy, it was all different. And I was saying, man, which now how is God? <laughs> but how many know God is all things to all people? And so they got cut, they got hurt. And they had to heal up because something better was coming. The next part of the text goes on to say that they ate some corn of the promised land. They tasted what was to come. Have you ever had a foretaste of what was to come? I just call it a vision. A vision where you can see it. You can see what's to come. Well, I need to be around some people that can see what's to come. To have vision. One of the worst things in the world is to have sight but no vision. They could see because they tasted the corn. You see, because I believe that if you can see it, if you can see the invisible, what? You can do the impossible. You can see the invisible, you can do it. You can't help the people that can't see because they'll stay right where they are. And there's nothing you can do about that until they open their eyes or they allow God to open their eyes for them. Nothing you can do. You have to keep going. Can't help them. Can't help people that can't see nothing. But if you can see some things, you can be what you can see. And what I want you to understand is that the moment that they tasted that corn, the manna ceased. The moment they got the foretaste of what was to come, what they had been given, ceased. It was done. And the Lord is saying, don't be afraid when your old blessing stops because it's only a sign that your new blessing don't be afraid well now what are we going to do it's all changed 
I just don't understand this new way. Where are we going now? You know, when I grew up in church, you know, we brought the kids and they had their little Sunday schools and they had to sit down in church and be quiet. They had to sit down and shut up. And now, all of a sudden, they're playing with we. And, and we respected the house of the Lord when I came up and now they're drinking coffee outside and changing things around. What is going on? I just don't understand this. This isn't church. Guess what? It's God. So would you rather be in church or would you rather be with God? What you call church? I don't know this new way. I don't understand it. Don't understand it. Oh, my mother, she wouldn't understand it. But even she's coming along. <laughs> it's a new way. <laughs> it's a new way. <laughs> I tell you, boy, when I, uh, you know, my mother's a traditional lady. Told you we went to the Holy Spirit Center. You know, she didn't go for all the time out and all that type of thing. You know, our, our sister-in-law lives with us, and, you know, she has a, a little son. And, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to tell all our business, but, you know, she has a little son, and he gets to going. He's not two yet. And, uh, boy, he starts doing some things and throwing some stuff. And uh, she says, well, you, got to, you just got to go get in time out. I said, Brittany, you better not put that boy in time out. Now, I'm not saying kill him or anything. I'm not saying that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, don't put, because time out doesn't do anything for him. Shoot, I wish we would have had time out when I was growing up. Man, in my house, boy, you better, you better watch out for the phantom smack. I mean, I'm telling you, me and my brothers, and I'm going to get back on but me and my brothers, boy, we had to watch out. My mom would smack you so fast that none of us even know who got smacked until somebody started crying. You'd be standing up, squirt. Oh, you didn't even know you was the one that got smacked. You better watch out, boy. My dog was even scared of, of, of my mother. I'm telling you. My dog, he started he start barking. My mama smacked one. Woo, she getting faster and faster. My dog. In fact, my mother might yell from upstairs, Stay right there. I'll be down there in a minute. My dog want to get out the room. He knew. <laughs> but it was a different day. <laughs> it was a different day. <laughs> but, but there's a kingdom shift. Things are not like they used to be. And guess what? That's okay. Because I'm still with the Lord. Same God. Same spirit. Same message of the gospel of the kingdom of God. None of that has changed. Maybe the way we praise changes a little bit. Well, I tell you what, I don't want to... The reason why some of you love the old hymns still, just like I do, is because we don't sing them every day. If you sang it every day, you'd be tired of it too. Hey, God has given us some creativity. There's some new things. That doesn't mean we get rid of the old but we just mix the new with the old. Guess what? You have the capacity. You're not going to forget. We just keep adding on. That's God. That's God. Now they have to fight. Finishing up here, but now they have to fight. We got these young men who have no skills to match up with their situation going into a place that they have no idea how to possess or to conquer, 
coming through a time, listen to me, of purging, healing, and restoration. This is what happened at Gilgal. A time of purging, healing, and restoration. And before they could go over, this had to take its course. And you, those folks wonder, why are we here? Why are we at Gilgal? Why do we have to stay here so long? Why did he have to circumcise us? I can see the promised land. If God is telling us to take it, why don't we just take it? Because God has to purge, and then he's got to heal because that purging can hurt. And then he restores. But now they have to fight. And they're trying to be something that they don't know how to be. There's nothing like seeing a little boy or a little girl walking around the house in their daddy's shoes or their mother's shoes, is there? Clomping around the house, playing the role, acting like something that they're not, acting like something on the outside that they're not on the inside. Isn't that us sometimes? Acting like something on the outside that we're not on the inside? And so God brings them to Gilgal so that the inside can catch up with the outside. Because when your persona gets bigger than the person, then who you are is killed by all of this stuff. Because all of your accomplishments have no place to rest. Because that's not really who you are. They're bigger than you. So he brings them to Gilgal so they can catch up to their own life. <laughs> now they don't have the skills to go forward, but the fight is in front of them. And they have just had a painful surgery, to say the least. They also have a job change or a shift. Or we're going to do some things a little different now. Because they're not getting it from where they used to get it. They're not getting it from where they used to get it. God is feeding them from a different place. Same God, same spirit, same message, same provider, different conduit. And so here we are. God says you have to make a choice. Either you are going to resort back to your old place of comfortability and miss the opportunity, or you're going to have to want it bad enough to get out of your comfort zone and flow with what the Spirit is doing. Every major blessing I have received in my life always made me uncomfortable. And they've been outside of my comfort zone. And now it's, it's happened to me so much until now I'm just used to being blessed that way. In fact, if it doesn't scare me, I don't get excited about it. If it ain't edgy and half crazy, then I don't even want it. Because now I know that's how God operates. But if it's something that I can pull off by myself, why do I want it? But if it's something that I can't pull off by myself and it's going to take some extra prayer 
and some more time in worship to hear what he's going to say. And if it's going to take more faith than what I'm used to exercising, come on. Because I found out when, that when God is on your side, there is nothing that you can't accomplish. And so here they are. Here we are. Here they are at the promised land. But the promised land requires that you forsake your comfort to attain your destiny. Comfort or destiny. That's why most people never really grow in God. Because they will not pay the price of being uncomfortable. Listen to me. Excellence requires discomfort sometimes. Come on. Excellence requires discomfort. How many know that? Excellence requires discomfort this morning. Hallelujah. Ask the praise team to come on up. Because I believe we need to give God a praise. It's a short praise this morning. A cutaway praise. Come on, somebody. And he tells them that you're going to have to be satisfied with the new cuisine. <laughs> because I'm feeding you now through a different way. But don't worry, you're still going to get there. Come on up, Dietrich. And now I understand the walls of Jericho. It was the only city in the Bible that was taken through this plan. He told them to march around the walls once a day, then go back and sit down. And I understand that these boys had just come from being under the knife. He said, go once a day, march around, and then go back and sit down. He understood that they were in pain. And now I understand that God considers my pain. He takes it into consideration.